Good evening, everybody, and welcome back to the most anticipated episode of Sports Medicine <laughs> on Tap. I'm Jason Kopeck down here at Neck of the Woods once again. Dr. Frey, how we doing? Doing great, Jason. How about yourself? A year, a year and two, three months, 54-ish episodes, but we finally did it. Right, right. He, Piece of cake, wasn't yeah. yeah. The person that has eluded us all along is finally joining us tonight. All of our listeners have heard about him on a Infamous. few different episodes. Yeah. You finally brought him with you. Who do you got? Yeah, thank you. You have to do the introduction here, buddy. <laughs> this this is all you. We're real happy to have on the director of human performance at the Energy Lab, the, the one and only Mike <laughs> Vitas. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you for coming up. <laughs> Mike, we're, we're really excited that you're here with us tonight. And we know you pulled a lot of strings at home, get the kids, <laughs> get the kids taken care of. But thanks for joining us. Today. Yeah, of course, man. It's a pleasure to be here. First time I've actually been asked to be on the podcast. So I've <laughs> uh, just been talked about a little bit. Interestingly but. enough, though, you've joined us a few times for yeah. a pre-show beer. I have and then been split. here. Yeah. <laughs> I've been here a while. But I have two small children at home, yeah. five and one and a half. Yeah. So when I'm not at work, it's hard to be not there. Yeah. So. Mike, I think one of the... You know, one of the things I like most about you is you have such a unique background and you've, you've done a lot of stuff in your time. I think you played some high school soccer, I believe. I did play soccer while I was in high school. <laughs> right. Um, and then a little bit in college and then a little bit after college. Yeah. So like that was a, kind of a joke for you. But yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right, right, right. Um, Pretty sure your life is taking into different places other than yeah. that. Yeah. So high school soccer followed by like a very, very mediocre collegiate career at a couple different schools and then a little bit after college in Kansas City so I grew up in Nebraska and then after that I joined the military spent almost six years like just under six years in the Navy uh, after that worked for the Army for a little bit met my wife moved with her as an uh, she's an athletic trainer moved with her to Taiwan where she started a sports medicine program for Taipei American School. And then I was a retired trophy husband, <laughs> I like to, to call it. But that is apparently very boring when you're 30 years old. And uh, opened three gyms in Taiwan, the first CrossFit affiliate, uh, the third CrossFit affiliate, and then the fourth. And then we wanted to have a family, so we moved uh, to where her family was. And while we were abroad, they decided to move to South Jersey. So we ended up in South Jersey, which is a wonderful place. Um, and we've been here since 2016. We owned a gym in uh, South Jersey for three years. By chance, happened to move that business completely online right before COVID struck. And I've been with the Energy Lab uh, for two and a half years now. Yeah. So kind of all over. And your role with the Energy Lab, like, what is your day-to-day -day life like? So the Energy Lab's a, a pretty unique setup that I haven't really seen anything like outside of the military, where we work like hand-in-hand -hand with reconstructive orthopedics. We run a fitness side where like people can come and work out with us. Um, it's 100% available. But then our relationship with Recon and uh, both the orthopedic surgeons and the physical therapists is really unique, where we can take someone and completely put them into one organic system where we're essentially vertically integrating healthcare, mm -hmm. where they can come in with uh, an ACL injury, which unfortunately is how a lot of people will find us. Right. They'll get hurt playing whatever their sport is, come in, talk to the orthopedic surgeon, 
And then they, they have the option of either having surgery and starting physical therapy, or they can work with the Energy Lab uh, before surgery, which has happened a handful of times. On the outcomes, based off of all of the research, right? The outcomes, as soon as you start strength and conditioning, your outcome is statistically going to be way better. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to quote numbers at all tonight because that'd, <laughs> Either be, way. that'd yeah, be silly. Yeah. <laughs> but, That's what um, we got Dr. Frey here for. The, the, gist, <laughs> the gist of it is, is your outcome is going to be better the sooner you start um, working on strength. So you have like an ACL injury, you have surgery, and then you can start working with us either right before surgery or pretty soon after. There's like a, a weird gap in there where you should probably just do physical therapy. Yeah. But we work uh, really closely with Recon Sports and their physical therapy department to get people working uh, towards their goals as soon as possible. So we uh, were able to close that loop to return people to the field uh, faster, stronger, better than ever. Yeah. And it's interesting that whenever we talk about this, we always go to the ACL, right? Because I think the ACL has been kind of the most studied in this respect in terms of bridge program and injury prevention and all that, all that other stuff. But there's, in fact, we were talking about potentially recording a, a second episode tonight, which I, I don't think we're going to get to about ankle sprains, right? We're going to use uh, Manny Machado and recent ankle sprain and, and just kind of go down the road. But like that would be another one right? where there's a whole functional strengthening program and a whole program in which we could go down that road and theoretically reduce the next ankles or reduce the likelihood of the second ankle sprain or reduce yeah. the, you know, the proprioception programs and all the other programs. So there's there, there's definitely a role separate, separate from the yeah. standard physical therapy, standard then and standard gym, um, where, where it's kind of that combination of both. Yeah. And like you said, it's shared space with physical therapy and and through one single door over to, to where the docs are treated. It's, it's a good set. It's it's pretty unique. Um, we work with people, yeah, not ACL is like a really easy example, but we work with people right now. We have like a, a guy in his 70s who wants to get back to scuba diving with his daughter, which is for a guy in his 70s. That's just inspiring to me right? because uh, I want to be able to do that right now. Right. <laughs> um, and I'm 38. But um, we have ACLs, we have meniscus, we have ankles, uh, shoulders, any injury that you can think of being stronger will help. Right. Like it's kind of a, Mm -hmm. seems weird to say. Right. But that's really how life works. Yeah. What Um, kind of other stuff you do, Mike? Like, 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 uh, let's say you got a weekend, nobody's around. Yeah. So I try to be as good of a dad as possible, but I'm pretty sure I'm pretty mediocre at that. But we spend, we raise our boys outside as much as possible. Right. Right. So my, uh, my wife and I, we camp all the time. Um, We hike all the time. I've recently taken up jogging of sorts where uh, in November I'm going to run a 100 mile race. Yeah. So that ends up taking up a lot of time. Mostly because I'm slow. Right. So um, and because it's 100 miles. <laughs> that that doesn't help. Yeah. Right, right. If I'm not in the gym, I'm hanging out with my kids. My five year old has a quad that he tears up our front lawn with, and it's amazing Sweet. to watch. Um, but I'm either cooking or camping. Right. Usually both. Yeah. So this is what this is the reason why we brought you in tonight. So we had an episode about a month ago uh, where we did this kind of Mythbusters factor fiction sports medicine episode. And I listened to it. Yeah, it was honestly we, we got a lot of great feedback People on it. People loved it. People loved it. They they seem to love it more than the neurogenic thoracic outlet syndrome for some reason. <laughs> Not entirely sure why. Shocking. Um, Surprising. But Mike, when we were doing the prep work for that, Dr. Frey and I and Brandon Alea, who we've mentioned a bunch of times, you know, helps us out with the kind of outline. 
we had- I've heard they, he's a doctor. He is a doctor, yeah. He is a doctor. You know, we had this whole son a second list of factor fiction and they were really falling under strength and conditioning. And I remember right before we hit record that that evening, I just, you know what, like take all these out because Mike's the guy that could speak on this the that's best. Right. So, that's right, that's um, right. I was like, you know, let's just, we'll get Mike on down the road here and- I can um, speak at least. Yeah, so. so I mean, I think, you know, the way we did it last time, Dr. Frey is, you can keep your answer as short as you want. You don't have to go into a ton of detail about why. Uh, and we're just gonna, we have about, I don't know, what do you say, Doc? Like 30 so here yeah, on this list? I don't think we're getting through all of and them. And we, we kind of, we didn't really give Mike a lot of time to prep on it. We just kind of plopped the list down in front of him. You guys gave me the list last week. Yeah. <laughs> I looked at it and I said, we're gonna do this live. Yeah, that's the best way to do it. All right, Mike, well, let me start with one of my favorite then for you, you know, being over there at times with you at the Energy Lab. Dr. Frey refers somebody to you. They're there to strengthen their hips. Mike, I'm here to strengthen my hips. How long is that going to take? <laughs> super, super common. Yeah. And the answer is almost always yes. Yes. <laughs> um, it will, it, it will well unfortunately, it will take what it takes. Uh, Jason and I have joked a bunch of times. What were we talking, like six weeks, Mike? Are we yeah. four, six, eight? Um, like, maybe. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Depending on the amount of anabolics we want to do, like we could, we could get done in like five, oh, right? <laughs> Jason and I have joked a, a handful of times that if we could invent a pill that made people like stronger, like here, you have a stronger posterior chain now, yeah. we'd stop working. Right. We'd, we'd just be rich. <laughs> Unfortunately, strength, depending on a bunch of different factors, just takes time. Yeah. And it's not super sexy. And it's probably one of my least favorite things about this industry is that um, hips, knees, uh, knees in particular, especially with adolescent athletes, we see it all the time, uh, where people are like, hey, we can make you faster and cut cut faster and you'll be a better soccer player right now. Mm -hmm. And we get, that's probably true. We can definitely make athletes faster right now. Unfortunately, faster doesn't always mean stable. Yeah. And creating a fast, stable athlete takes a lot longer. And that's always what we're after because stability uh, reduces injury. Right. And so that unfortunately probably leads into why uh, we're so busy with post ACL people. Mm -hmm. uh, it's because they're coming to us super, super fast, but not necessarily super stable. So just developing posterior chain, which is usually what people are talking about when they say hip yeah. or just like hip flexor strength just takes time. Yeah. So the, the answer is it is kind of what it is. Yeah. Let's stay with that one. because I think another one that Dr. Frey and I found interesting a couple weeks ago was uh -huh. when we talked about starting strength training at too early of an age. That's exactly where I was going. Yeah, it's a, it's a yeah. bad idea, right? It, it'll, yeah. I mean, what are the things? It stunts your growth. It, you know, it, it, yeah. it leads to injuries, all that yeah. other stuff. So like most things, the answer is it depends, Yeah. which is probably another unfortunate answer. But the, the reality is kids, kids can start whenever they're ready to. And that, that is a huge variable from kid to kid. Uh, my oldest son is five now, but he probably started lifting weights. And this isn't like a structure, like he's, he's joining a class. But he started like picking heavy things up off the ground when he was one and a half, maybe. Yeah. And to be fair to him, he lived in the gym with me from 6 a.m. to 8 p.m. Right. Monday through Friday yeah. from six weeks old. Right. So it was just completely normal for him. But the, the reality is that it's super safe because he's a, it's not going to break the ground if he's not strong enough, right? He, like he's just not going to move. Yeah. But the the real answer, right, is whenever kids can pay attention. Yeah. So uh, scientifically, the the myth, right, is like stunning growth is right. super common. 
the idea used to be that it would like close off growth plates, which is just scientifically unfounded. Right. Um, if anything, it's going to increase growth, right? Because it would create more growth hormone. Yeah. HGH is a naturally occurring uh, thing. The more we lift, the more testosterone we'll create. The more uh, HGH will create, the stronger, bigger you'll likely get. I haven't seen an actual study that shows like a guy with a five, six parent sort of lifting at six years old and he's six feet tall. Right. I mean, that's probably not going to happen. Um, Brad's kids are probably not going to be seven <laughs> feet tall. Um, but uh, they do lift and they're, they're, they're great kids and they're going to be good athletes. But likewise, Brad isn't five foot eight because he started lifting when he was seven. Right. 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 Genetics plays a giant pool into that. But if an eight-year-old wants to lift weights, that session is likely not going to be an hour long because an eight-year-old's attention span sure. isn't an hour. Yeah. Right. And we see so, that all the time, right? Like you start losing them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like we have some some ten-year-olds in the lab. I think that's about as young as we have right now. But we've definitely worked with younger kids. Right. That right. just time frame becomes shorter and shorter. I, I would yeah. think also it would be a factor potentially. Um, you know. Part, part of the attention span, part of the equation, but are you more susceptible to injury? If, if, if you know, a lot of times kids are gonna get in and just like, you know, grab as much weight as they can and try to lift it up and, 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 and all of a sudden form and whatnot, but go yeah, across absolutely. the window because it's hard to teach um, some of that is, stuff to a kid. And this is gonna be the answer for a lot of these questions. Like anything you do poorly is probably bad for you. Right. right. Like a kid should definitely deadlift. Uh, a kid should definitely squat, but all of that should be within the realm of what they're capable of, right? Yeah. And so you need like a decent, decent professional that understands limits, right? And like the, like a seven-year-old doesn't need to be doing a one rep max back squat or like a <laughs> yeah. one rep max deadlift. Yeah, Probably no one does, but the reality is like that happens a lot of places. And then a kid will get hurt and they're like, oh, he was lifting too young. But yeah. no, he was just kind of lifting poorly right. under terrible supervision. Yeah. So under under the right circumstances, kids can start lifting really as young as they want. Mm -hmm. Right. Like five is probably too young. But if the kid's in the gym with you, there's nothing wrong with him picking up a barbell. Yeah. You won't be able to pick it up if you can't. Right. So if we. Do you have one or I was. Yeah. Gonna, yeah. No, yeah. I was going to say in a similar vein, then it's almost it almost leads right into it. Um, Don't do it. But Don't it's, steal mine. <laughs> no, it's a little bit different. It's a little bit different. So probably going in a different direction. But it's all right. So lifting up a barbell, like what, what about like machines versus free weights and, and, and uh, yeah, along um, those lines. I think they both definitely have their place. I am relatively anti-machine. This probably comes from uh, a decade as a CrossFit affiliate owner, where the unfortunate tagline is we create the machine right? like right. you are the machine it's very gung-ho but machines kind of put you into one plane of motion right and it generally isolates a single joint right i am not a giant fan of that in most circumstances uh there are there are places where it's appropriate right where uh, we have like elbow tendonitis like golfer's elbows right overextension injury generally right people are working into extension too often the solution to that is working into contraction, right? So if we have like a, a very, very mild case of tenderosis where PT might not be warranted, we can generally solve that with some bicep curls, right? It's probably the only time, other than people getting ready to go down to the beach, we're in Jersey, down the shore. Down the shore, all right. <laughs> Excuse me, where I'd put in a bicep curl, right? Because it's probably the least functional movement, but it does make your biceps look good. Yeah. But if you're golfing consistently, throwing in some bicep curls every now and then, um, working in that opposite range of motion that you're, you're doing hundreds of times around, 
or 60 times around, I guess, if you're good. Um, <laughs> would definitely help uh, keep your elbow healthy long term. So in general, I'm not a, a giant fan of machines. I'm a much bigger fan of compound movements like a deadlift, a squat, a press, um, anything that's getting multiple joints moving just because we can get more bang for our buck and our energy. I, I thought he was going to kind of just go where I was going to go. If I'm going to backtrack a little bit, we, we talked about the we talked about the younger population. Right. So I was going to go with then the elderly population is strength training. Sometimes they'll come in. Well, I, they shouldn't be strength training at that age. Yeah. Uh, so currently, I think our range right now is 10 to 82. All right. But honestly, he might be 81 and his birthday is coming up. Just yeah. looks 82. <laughs> <laughs> he is older than the president. So yeah. 81, 82, yeah. something like that. This is the football player. Yeah, he yeah. played football for the University of Nebraska in the 50s. Yeah. So when they won the big eight. <laughs> um, I, I am from Nebraska, yeah. right? So they won the big eight. Yeah eight times i think yeah. right national champions like seven times right. so it's not a big deal but he is elderly right and um octogenarian the an octogenarian which i didn't know until his last presidential campaign yeah. was a was a word <laughs> um and the the reality is kind of the same as uh young children right they can lift when they're ready right, right. um Ideally, we have people strength training their entire lives, right? That would be best case scenario. And when you see people like that, they're kind of uh, outliers nowadays. But they're like, oh, my God, look at that. Oh, guy's super fit. Yeah. It's weird. But he looks great or she looks great yeah, yeah, yeah. for her age. or uh, you know, yeah. And they, they were just relatively consistent with fitness for a long time. Yeah. Is um, there um, and then this probably doesn't go kind of the whole myth thing, but actually just a little bit of advice. But um, is there. Should that person change the way they work out a little bit? Uh, it should probably be more gradual, right? Like I wouldn't immediately switch to like a, a power lifting routine, right? And the, the same rule as everyone applies where uh, everything should be in moderation, right? And staying within your limits, right? And having a professional definitely helps, right? And I think that's probably a big thing. And, you're of that age, right? They're like, ah, under supervision. Yeah, I've been doing this for a long time. Yeah. I don't need help. It's probably like the more common thing we get, but having like another person there to guide you definitely helps. Yeah, I, I can tell you as a, as a doc who sees the guy who's you know in his sixties that's still you know benching or pushing as much weight as he can. Like, like, yeah, no, that's why your shoulder looks awful. Like, like there is a point where you begin to change a yeah, little bit 100%. less weight a few more reps and whatnot and just just like work out for a different specific purpose right like you're not just getting as big as you possibly yeah. can but so, and, you can work out for help i agree with you and then in, in my world there's always like a toss-up right there's definitely masters powerlifting masters right. weightlifting right the snaps and the plane and jerk and it's there's like a line where you have to like tiptoe right between what's going to become detrimental in the right. long run and what people enjoy doing and in my world, right, like there's both of them and I try to try best to facilitate both, right? We don't want to be injurious, but we want to keep people doing what they like doing. Sure. If you're going to scuba dive, right, you need to be able to climb the ladder with the tank on your back, yeah. relatively pain-free, right, for as right. long as possible. And there's definitely a point where it becomes like overtly dangerous. Right. Where you should probably be like, hey, man, no. 
<laughs> same, same thing as like driving, right? Like driving at some point becomes overly dangerous. Mm-hmm. But uh, we want to keep people doing what they like doing for as long as possible. Right. Sure. How about uh, strength training make makes women look bulky? Yeah, it one hundred percent will. I mean, that's a common myth, right? I mean, uh-huh. we hear that all the time. This is, or I, let's not even say myth. I'm gonna let yeah. you say if it's a myth, but that's a common thing we hear all the time. Yeah, this is like the number one thing I've dealt with having gyms all over the world. <laughs> it's another like yes, it will make you bulky if you are eating a calorie surplus right. and doing all kinds of anabolic steroids, and you have way more <laughs> testosterone than. And if the your program female. is designed to get and bigger and even you know. then, like, so my wife is a, a, a great athlete. Yeah. She was a tumbler for Oregon State. She competed in CrossFit. Uh, so for any CrossFit listeners out there, a five time regional athlete, like mm-hmm. a phenomenal athlete. And we worked really, really hard yeah. for her to gain some weight and yeah. like add muscle mass. But as a female, you produce less testosterone. You're yeah. not genetically designed to bulk right like and and most men aren't either right yeah. like the, the guys that are giants like uh kai they're genetic outliers yeah. or they're on enhanced and yeah, yeah they're, they're chemically enhanced <laughs> yeah and like i'm all for that too if that's if that's what you want to do yeah right as long as you understand the risks like cool yeah. you you do you i guess but for the average female even lifting low reps heavy, right, which is like designed to build muscle. Yeah, you're, the likelihood that you're going to bulk up is just unfounded in real yeah. science. Like, you will you will gain muscle mass, sure, but you're right. never gonna look like right. Dana Lynn Bailey. Yeah. Like, what about runners? Should should runners be lifting? Runners, one hundred percent should be lifting. I'm gonna say that's um, yeah. I learned that the hard way. We. <laughs> We right now have like a weird amount of really high level runners out of all of the, the niche sports that I thought we would build a uh, like a reputation for being good with working with. It, it, running. Has, it has been really cool to see though develop. Yeah, yeah really like has, I'm, I'm all yeah. about it because I, I don't really enjoy running necessarily, but I do a so lot why of Why in the heck are you running <laughs> all the time? I really, really love where running takes me. Right. right? I see all kinds of awesome mountain passes yeah. that other people can't get to because I'll wake up at 4 a.m. and I will literally just run there. And I can get to see sunrise over like a mountain peak that other people can't see. And I'm for it. Early on, I remember, I don't remember exactly what your what the, the job was, but I was like, oh, what are you doing this weekend, Mike? And it was like, you were like, I'm running from Virginia, the home or something. something yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, about a year ago, I ran from Pennsylvania to my in-laws house in uh, Roanoke. So it was about 430 miles on the Appalachian Trail. I mean, come on, man. <laughs> but I have yet to fall in love with running. Right. So the runners we have really love it, and that's cool for them, but I don't get it. I remember um, when you did that because you had a great fill-in for you at the Energy Lab. He was, yeah, it was a really good-looking guy. I don't, I don't remember his name, but he was great. Everybody came in, and I just read there, and I was like, this is what you're doing today. <laughs> Running is, has also the unfortunate statistic of being the most injurious sport ever. Yeah. Right. Statistically, it is terrible for you. And the reality is running is probably really good for you. Just running poorly is really terrible for you. And most people are poor runners. Like if I ask Jason, who uh, definitely did Broad Street. But I don't strength train enough. Like yeah. every year you're doing a triathlon like next week, something like that. Yeah. Who taught you how to run? 
the one thing that you just know how to do, right? I mean, not <laughs> and, right, but I know and, how to and, get and two and feet. You're right, man. Like right. when my, when you watch my five-year-old run or my one-year-old try to try to run, he yeah. definitely looks drunk. Um, <laughs> they run really, really well. Yeah. And then we slap shoes on them with giant heels and yeah. we tell them to lengthen their stride. And yeah. we, we literally ruin them running. Uh, and then they're like, hey, man, how'd you learn how to run? They're like, I don't know, I just run. But unlike, unlike every other sport, we're like, yeah, I learned from this guy. Uh, running, you just kind of do, and you do relatively terribly. Yeah. Uh, not not you in particular, sorry. No, people, uh, people. Uh, <laughs> just in general. You've right? watched him run, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it becomes the most injurious sport ever, right? We get people with uh, shin splints, low back pain from running, knees, all kinds of um, random little injuries. And a lot of those can be solved through good strength training right Right. um not telling people to go bodybuild but like work with like a run coach that knows what they're doing or a strength coach that knows running and you can strengthen your anterior tibialis you can strengthen your calf correctly um you can work a quad and develop an actual posterior chain because runners are notorious for having underdeveloped hamstrings and glutes and the the benefit is like you don't you hurt less and you're faster Right, we have a right. kid in the lab. That was my next run. question, right there. Yeah. He's going to run a sub 14 5K this year. Uh, I think 13:30 is possible for him. That's incredible. Uh, he's like a 14:10 kid right now. We've got a. Currently, we have the Scholastic, so the high school national champion in the 3K distance as a race walker. Uh, we've got. Same same kid is also the under twenty champion, which I think makes him better than his older brother, who literally race walks for America. So literally, like yeah. if you if you think of a sport that wouldn't need strength training yeah. like, as race walking, which is an amazing thing to watch, right? At the neck of the woods while you're drinking beer, <laughs> um, and literally only while you're drinking beer, but everybody would benefit from being a little bit stronger. How, however, though, all the strength training that you talk about, that makes you less flexible, right? <laughs> so, and this is where Doc and I might go back and forth a little bit. 100% not sold on flexibility in general, right? I know on our list, we have static stretching, which is terrible for, for athletes, especially pre-workout. Yeah. But relatively post-workout as well, right? Even, even chunky 50-year-old guys that are... Uh... <laughs> yeah, prob- probably the data. And again, like not to quote numbers, but it's like 72 hours post-static, like a long static stretching, uh, which would be like a, a high school football warm-up, right? at least when I was playing. A static stretching routine would decrease power output and decrease elasticity of muscle for up to 72 hours post stretch right so even if you stretch after activity you're now affecting the next three days of uh, muscle potentiation and the ability of the muscle to actually be pliable so you're decreasing output while also increasing the risk of injury for up to three days i don't don't call me on three days exactly but it's at least three days like it's wild how terrible static stretching. If you don't mind, I'll go off script here a little bit. Sure. Um, and only speak from experience, not from science. Right. But so you know, when I first met Mike, I guess that was uh, twenty twenty. You know, you know, Mike has all the clients at the Energy Lab doing you know, this very specific warm up. Yeah. And when I really got into running later that year in twenty twenty, 
I was kind of like you. I did a lot of static stretching before. Right. That's kind of what I knew and things like that. It's the routine that I've yeah. known and done. And, um, and, but it also explains a lot of injuries. As the, weather, <laughs> as the weather got nicer and I was able to get outside, I incorporated Mike's very specific warm-up before I ran. Right. And it was bear crawls in my, in my yard. It was my side yard. I, didn't, I, was, I wasn't gutsy enough to do it in the front you yard. You just lost me. Uh, <laughs> We do we do a little bear crawl, some inchworms, world's greatest stretch. stretch. Yeah. I had I had a band with do some like glute activation. Doc, I never felt better when I was running. It, it really did make a world of difference. So yeah, so I, I am very anti-static stretching, but I'm also very pro like yoga. Yeah, uh, as long as you're, I mean, for for the most part, I'm pro yoga. Even like Yin yoga, you're generally not holding poses long enough for it to be considered static. I don't, don't quote me on that. I'm not a yogi. Yeah. But, but in terms of yoga, like like standard part of your exercise regimen or part of your warm-up? That's a good question. Yeah. Depends on how you define yoga, right? <laughs> right. I don't know how to define yoga. Yoga is a mindset, right? Yeah. But dynamic stretching, which is what Jason's um, getting at, right? Um, which is like, so if we, if we put out definitions, right? Static stretching would be holding a lengthened muscle position for an extended period of time, right? Where you... Touching your toes. Yeah, you reach and touch your toes for 10 to 15 seconds or so, right? Right. Where we're just holding that muscle elongated position for a period of time. Dynamic, right? We're moving the muscle through its range of motion and then allowing it to shorten again, right? So we're reaching down and touching your toes and then standing back up. Like we're doing that while walking, right? Like the ice cream scoops or I forget what the soccer scoops, right? Scoops, yeah. Same idea, right? Where we're, we're stretching the hamstring through its range of motion but we're allowing it to return, right? Scientifically dynamic, way better um, as a warm-up and probably as a cool-down, right? The the misnomer, I think, that a lot of people have, right? Dynamic, warm-up, static, cool-down. And static as a cool-down is, is way better than static as a, uh, a warm-up, yeah. but probably also unnecessary. But I, I'm kind of a weirdo with stretching where I, I look at it like ice baths, right? Like if you like it, probably not terrible for you mm-hmm. if you don't like it it's probably not terrible for you i really <laughs> like ice baths right yeah. i do them as often as i can either in recon's recovery room or alongside my house mm-hmm. generally with a carbonated beverage or two <laughs> <laughs> but from neck of the woods brewing company located right here at 614 lambs road no, yeah. 100 they have great to go beers <laughs> like if you really like static stretching and that's your your zen don't do it before you work out, but it's probably not terrible for you in reality. But if you don't like it and you don't want to do it, that's probably not terrible for you either. As long as you're doing something to maintain like a decent amount of flexibility. Like if you can touch your toes, you're probably good to go. Speaking of ice baths. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. What, what are your thoughts there on the, the ice versus non-ice? And yeah. So that's like the hot debate in the athletic training world right? i think yeah i think on the last they're wrong on the last one we said i mean it probably could be an episode all in itself the yeah, ice versus 100 percent. there's yeah. there's a lot of like really well-known say athletic training celebrities but i feel like that's yes. a misnomer by itself <laughs> that are very opinionated yeah the research is kind of both ways right i can show you 25 studies that say ice is amazing and 25 studies that show it's probably going to do nothing or it's it's going to slow down it's yeah. slow down the, the yeah. healing process so the, right. the idea right is uh the inflammatory process that the body creates yeah. and icing will stop that yeah. or or at least versus um, letting it run its course that. and do, do what yeah. it's meant to do right versus letting it right. like letting your body heal uh for for like an acute injury 
I'd probably like steer away from ice, I guess, at this mm. point. Like we're, we're guessing that rice is probably not the best, like yeah. rest ice compression elevation. RCE is not as cool as a acronym, I guess, but, <laughs> or maybe just like CE. Like you probably don't need to rest. Keeping it moving would probably be good for you. Yeah. But now compression now it now includes some yeah, movement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Compression and elevation are probably not terrible ideas in the immediate. Yeah. Hard for me to remove ice from the from the picture. Just you know, so ingrained. You know. Yeah. It's just part of it. Um, yeah. And as far as like ice Vasco, I'm a giant fan for myself. I right. love them. On a long run, I will literally sit down in a stream because mm-hmm. it feels good. Yeah. yeah. Right. You know, like I'll get back and I'll, I'll I literally throw a couple beers in the ice bath and I'll sit down in it at like 40 degrees. And I don't know how long it takes me to drink two beers, but that's how long I'm in the ice bath. And then your wife comes and pulls you out because you're <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I haven't passed out yet. I have the uh, the luckiness of being 230 pounds. Yeah. So a couple, couple beers I can handle. But I feel better after it. Right. So for me, ice works. And if you take an ice bath and you absolutely hate the process and you hate how you feel afterwards, don't do it. Right. There's there's no science in saying you're, you're going to be worse for not taking an ice bath. I think there's probably something to be said for doing hard things, right? Like taking an ice bath sucks. Yeah. Like that first 30 seconds to a minute is rough. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you I, mentioned 40 degree water. I mean, that's significantly lower than clinically it should be. Oh, I yeah, feel yeah, like. yeah. Oh, 100%. Oh, man. Don't, don't do what I do. We usually, a, I think it's 50 to 55 is ideal. Yeah, but, for yeah. Like, like 8, eight to 12. Yeah, 8 to 12 like minutes, exactly. Um, Part of my, my previous profession was as a rescue swimmer where we would pull people out of icy water. I was going to say, yeah, it, was, it probably um, wasn't 50, was it? <laughs> no. Yeah. At, at, at like 40 degrees, you're hypothermic, right? Your, your temperature is dropping below 96 degrees. You don't degrees have a lot of time there, man. At like six minutes, maybe. Yeah. So eight, eight to 10 minutes at 40 degree water is probably not... I think I'm probably pulling myself down to like 94, but yeah. as long as you're reheating, like you're just getting out of it. Right. It's relatively safe, but don't do what I do. I'm a moron. When I was an intern, my chief that year wanted to, chief resident that year, wanted to run a marathon. And I was like, let's do it. We'll run a marathon. And I remember specifically saying to him at that point in time, the best part about us doing this is we could eat whatever we want. Um, and we're not going to gain any weight. Yeah. Thoughts on you that one. Can't out train a bad diet. Right. Um, <laughs> And we didn't. <laughs> <laughs> so like, that's the, the big phrase, right? Is you can't train a bad diet. And you probably can if you're like Yulid Kipkoji, the marathon winner. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to describe him. He's an Olympic champion. He's yeah. won everything. Yeah. He's the only person to run a sub two marathon. That guy is out training his diet. Right. The, the diet of the uh, Kenyans is terrible. Yeah. It's like. 8,000 calories of carbs a day. Right. And then some meat. Uh, I forget what it's called, but it's like naan, like the bread. Yeah. And they just put yeah. honey all over it and they just eat it all day. Yeah. And good for them because they are running sub two yeah, fives so, yeah. for hours. <laughs> Fast, right? right. For the rest of us, yeah. the amount of effort it would take to go into a calorie yeah. deficit or even be caloric neutral at. 4,000 calories a day, right? Like if you eat everything from McDonald's is like that effort is so immense that no one's going to get to it and it's going to be injurious if they do. Yeah. Um, Unless of course it's, it's, it's um, non-static stretching. Then they're <laughs> <laughs> Not saying you can't eat at McDonald's, right? My, my general idea on nutrition is don't be weird, right? right? Like if you're going to go to a birthday party, eat the birthday cake. Sure. Don't, don't be the weirdo that's like, Ooh, <laughs> I trained today. No cake for me. Uh, 
Um, or if you're going to a barbecue, have a beer. Like live live life because life is fun. Or it's supposed to be fun. But that being said, like be aware of what you put in your body. Right, eat mostly whole foods. Eat meat, vegetables, nuts, seeds, some fruit, little starch, no sugar. Mm-hmm. If you do that, eighty percent of the time you're going to live a pretty good life. Not be overweight enough that it's going to be unhealthy. I mean, you're going to carry like good body fat because having sub ten body fat for most people is probably going to be unhealthy. When we, uh, I think the one thing that we always know or hear about is three sets of ten. Yeah. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a myth, but when is three sets of ten appropriate? Not appropriate. Yeah. Um, so rep schemes are kind of weird. Yeah. And uh, all the reps fall into like a different idea, right? Mm-hmm. And again, don't call me numbers here, but I've taken the test, but I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't remember the numbers. Right? One to six, right? We're working on muscle strength. Mm-hmm. Seven to twelve ish. Uh, we're working on muscle. Endurance, muscle hypertrophy, excuse me. Yeah. And then uh, past 12, plus, past 12 yeah. we're working on uh, muscle endurance, right? So three sets of 10 is, is great for a lot of exercises mm-hmm. for a lot of people. Also working in like fives mm-hmm. at a little bit heavier of a weight is going to be great for building some like actual strength. Yeah. And then working into like 20s for like a soccer player in a squat is probably not a terrible idea some of the time. Yeah. Um, all of them have their place in like a good... Uh, structured program uh, depending on like the timeline of the program and what the goals are right but everything everything and when it comes to rep schemes is very dependent on timeline goals and the athlete right so like yeah, yeah. three sets of ten isn't terrible but right. also like five sets of five yeah really good right right at this point in my training other people i tend to stay away from ones they're not terrible by any means but uh, like a heavy, like a, a true heavy one. Yeah. The the risk versus reward for me at this point isn't there. Yeah. Um, right. I've definitely lifted the heavy singles a lot in my life personally, but I don't know if I'll ever do it again or if I'll ever. I don't like absolutes, but I'm not sure if I'll ever have an athlete do it again. Right. Yeah. For absolute strength, like a heavy set of three or five, the reduction in risk we get from adding reps is so much greater than any than knowing what that number is. Right. So if you're building to a heavy single every Friday, like your max out Friday is a big thing in weightlifting. Right. Right. Uh, you could probably do better things, right? Like, yeah. and and feel a lot better from doing a heavy set of five. Right. I think uh, most strength training programs always have a uh, rest day or two built in. And yeah. really what I'm doing right now is searching for a myth that Mike will say is true. Uh, Cause I feel like we've, <laughs> we've centered these around being like, oh, what a joke. But you know, we'll always see rest days. And I think people tend to, you know, when they really get into the depths of the program, don't want to take that day off. But yeah. are, are the rest days as, as important <laughs> as we make them out to be? Most people don't overtrain, they under recover. Mm-hmm. Right. Excellent segue to the recovery room. <laughs> um, but rest, rest is equally, if not more important than training. Right. Dependent on your, then. <laughs> the, the, <laughs> dependent on how you're doing both. Right. Like if you're in the gym and you're training hard three to five times a week, right. For about an hour going like actually doing effort during your session, as opposed to what I imagine happens in most Gold's gyms or right. Planet Fitnesses where you go and spin your wheels for three hours yeah. and Snapchat 52 times. Yeah. <laughs> um, but if you're in there and you're hitting like a five by five squat, yeah. some 
uh, hamstring accessory work, mm -hmm. and then some like really hard anaerobic work. Resting is super important, yeah. and you can definitely watch the people that don't like slowly degrade in, mm -hmm. in effort, right? Three on, one off tends to be like a really good thing for most people to do a lot mm -hmm. to allow intensity to stay high. Or like four days of training, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, taking the weekends and going and being outside yeah. is generally what I want a lot of my athletes to do, even like my college kids. Mm -hmm. But then it also depends on how you recover, right? Like, are you spending time recovering or are you just not training? Right. right. Like, are you foam rolling? Are you doing yeah. myofascial work? Uh, are you ice bathing? Yeah. Breathe, like, breath work is a huge thing. Mm -hmm. um, scientifically proven to increase HRV, mm -hmm. uh, heart rate variability hydration nutrition like all of it falls into recovery yeah and it's i think overlooked a lot yeah. in most people's training programs like we literally like we don't dictate it yeah but, like we we, we tell people it. how to do it right yeah. like it's an expectation yeah um especially of like our our college kids mm -hmm. of which like we have like a, a weird amount of d1 d2 kids mm -hmm. training with us post-injury um, and they're definitely allowed to train pre-injury, right? Like we, we have a sports performance program too, but um, we we relatively dictate how they recover, yeah. and it's it's been great for them. Should you leave every workout feeling sore, feeling beat up, beating? You should feel exhausted. every. You should, yeah, you should leave every workout feeling like you did great work. Whatever that is, right? Like some workouts you should definitely leave being exhausted, right? Like leaving a sweat angel on the floor. Yeah. That should happen from time to time. And some workouts you should leave being like, hey, man, I moved really well today. Hmm. And they're both equally important and they have the, the same place in like the training hierarchy, I think. That one was fast. What is that? That, yeah, that, that was I wasn't expecting it. Right. <laughs> does, does, does strength equal speed when it comes to running? 100%, depending on how it's trained, right? Like if we look at uh, power lifters, they're going to be great for one or two yards because they're generally larger individuals. They can't move. But all speed is, right, is the ability to create force into the ground repeatedly. Uh, and that repeatedly thing matters. Uh, so the ability to repeat that effort time over time, right? So the more we gear a athlete towards the force into the ground, the less they're going to be able to repeat that. But if we never increase their ability to put force into the ground, they're never going to get faster. Whether that's strength training from running up a hill or strength training from doing a back squat, kind of the same, but you're only going to get so strong from running up a hill. We can load a barbells or a sandbag. We use a lot of sandbags as heavy as we want. Mm -hmm. Everybody's always uh, after that washboard abs. But yeah. everybody, everybody thinks if Let's I do a thousand sit-ups, if I do a thousand sit-ups before bed every night, I'm going to get there. And I say this tongue in cheek because I think most science now tells right. us that that's absolutely untrue. But yeah. do you agree? And if not, then what's the best way to work on your core? I think it's yeah. probably the more appropriate way to say um, it. I've been in the energy lab since February of 2020 and we've done zero sit-ups since <laughs> February of 2020. Yeah, um, I am hard in team, no sit-up. That being said, we train the core, the trunk, every day, right? Yeah. Um, we just do it kind of unconventionally with like a payoff presses or a front rack lunge or a overhead press, right? It's all working your core through stability. I am a much bigger fan of training the core through rotation and anti-rotation than I am through flexion. 
So when we look at what the core does functionally for, for the human body, right, it's to protect our organs, right, to keep us upright and not allow our rib cage to smush our innards, mm-hmm. right, to put it in layman's terms, yeah. right? And then athletically, we use it to create you know, or resist rotation, right? We Like if you would think of yourself as standing tall and then doing a sit-up while standing up, and then think about how that applies to any sport ever, right? And you'd feel probably pretty silly because that's, that's a silly thing to do. So why would we lay on our back and only work through flexion, something that's intended to hold us erect and protect our organs or to create and resist flexion mm-hmm. or rotation, sorry. So we do a ton of anti-rotation or rotation work at, uh, work with uh, our softball players, lacrosse players, anything that's going to be more uh, rotational than like running. But even our runners um, do a ton of anti-rotation work because mm-hmm. all running is is a uh, like a single leg hinge that's going to force the body into rotation. The more stable they can be, the better. So yes, I hate sit-ups. Yeah. No, no one should do them. And if you want a six-pack, clean up your diet. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Let's say uh, not everybody has access to somewhere like the Energy Lab. Yeah. Can you get a pretty functional and beneficial workout without somewhere like the Energy Lab? Yeah, 100% the Energy Lab does remote programming. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) So you can hit us up on Instagram or email us or anything, and we will work with you to create the best program possible for you. Mm -hmm. Or if you don't want to do that, you can go for a go for a jog and mm-hmm. squat and deadlift. I'm a big fan of the saying that the needs of the Olympians and our grandparents differ not in kind, but in degree, right? Mm-hmm. So we all need to be able to deadlift. We all need to be able to put something over our head. We all need to be able to squat because if you look at uh, like an Olympic uh, athlete, they need to be able to squat a few hundred pounds. Most of us need to be able to sit on a toilet mm-hmm. right? and it's all going to happen for the rest of our lives. So um, if we can look at functional movement as being truly functional, everybody should be doing something that's getting us to move a little bit better for tomorrow. I'm a big fan of training for uh, what we call physical freedom. I want to be able to do whatever it is I want to do. If my son says, hey, let's go climb that mountain. I don't want to be like, ooh, my knee hurts. So let's not do that. Or that seems hard. It's it's uh, it's not even a consideration until um, until it's a consideration. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Like all, all of a sudden, one day you're like, oh, that's yeah, that's like rough. like yeah. when I get out of bed, I, I've my twenties were rough on my body through like a, a mediocre career in soccer or a mediocre career in special operations. When I get out of bed in the middle of the night to go pee, my wife laughs at me. Like, Why are you stumbling? Yes. Like, well, everything hurts. Yes. I'm dying. <laughs> But through 30, what did you say? I'm I'm 38 now and I move better now than I did at 31. And I got out of the military at 29, I think 28. And that was like a a rough time on my body, but, um, through consistent work, like it's getting better. Right. So what are the uh, benefits, Mike, of, uh, a client seeking, your professional advice versus perhaps the uh i don't know I, I'm, I'm trying to put it yeah the, so the right way i mean like but a I, super common thing we get is like <laughs> oh my back kind of hurts and i was like all right what were you doing recently and they're like well i saw this thing on instagram for my abs mm-hmm. like well yeah. stop listening to people that get paid to post to social media yeah for somebody that hates social media as much as i do i i do scroll right because i'm 
I'm human and probably mildly addicted, <laughs> but like a, a true, there, there are people that are on Instagram that are very good at their jobs. Mm -hmm. And there are people on Instagram that are very good at Instagram or, or TikTok or whatever mm -hmm. it is. And then there are strength coaches that are very good and also very good at Instagram. And they're very good and also very terrible at Instagram. Like mm -hmm. if you look at my page, it's pictures of my kids and like mountain passes. Mm -hmm. That's stuff that I find interesting mm -hmm. and I want to put out into the world. And if people want to know my opinion on strength and conditioning, they can come into the gym and pay for it mm -hmm. or listen to this podcast. Right. <laughs> um, but like you have to take everything with a grain of salt, right? And, and far be it for anybody to think that my opinion is uh, the end all here. Because it's literally just my opinion. It's been informed by some some really good relationships and education, but it's still my Your thoughts, opinion, right? Yeah. Like, Doctor Frey, I mean, it, it happened again. I, I think there's 40 things still left on this list. I mean, if you looked at it, I mean, is there any ones that you really wanted to get across here tonight? No, I, I mean, we, we went through a good bunch of them, and yeah. it, there's a few that, uh, and and. You know, Mike has this, the, the running background. You know, not many people can do some of the distances that Mike's able to, 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 to do. Very slowly. But, what's that? <laughs> Very slowly. Albeit, just keep moving forward, right? Like, like, like that's that's the mantra. Let's save him for uh, save him for part two somewhere down two. the road. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. The next time, right? Mike, how do how do how do we find you at the Energy Lab? Um, you can find us at the underscore Energy Lab on uh, Instagram. Yeah. You can email me at. Mvitas at the dash energy lab.com. Yeah. Find me at Mike Vitas on all the social medias. And then I'll I'll put you in contact with the right place. Or if you come find us at Total Turf. There you go. 614 Lambs Road. Heck there. yeah, man. So yeah, after after fifty something episodes, we finally yeah. dragged the man onto the show. This was a great one too. I mean, this was uh it's very informative. Right. Mike brings a unique background and uh, a great personality for podcast. I mean, I'm, I'm should, in. You should start. You should think about doing your own. We got to wink, <laughs> wink. Right. I mean, <laughs> we got to get around another microphone here. I'll be here every week. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's going to about do it for tonight. Before we go ahead out and, and close our tab out for tonight, we want to take a moment to thank our sponsors, Reconstructive Orthopedics, with our eight locations and focused on you approach covering all of your orthopedic needs. Of course, the Energy Lab and the good Mike Vitas, uh, the region's premier sports performance destination, Neck of the Woods Brewing Company for hosting us each and every week, and our good friends at Timber Reel Productions. Thanks a lot for listening, and we'll catch you guys next time.